welcome to the Guest X Podcast, where my co-host Brian Amawi and I uncover the latest technologies and human-driven initiatives that are raising customer expectations and forever changing how we define customer experience across a host of industries. If you are passionate about creating incredible content and unique experiences, join us as we talk to leading product and experience experts across the globe and learn about how today's most successful brands are setting themselves apart from the competition. Good afternoon, Mr. Guest Experience, Mr. Brian Hamawi. How are you doing, bud? Are you are you on mute? We're gonna we're no, not even we're not even gonna cut that from our pod. I will instruct the team that they are not to cut that <laughs> from the podcast because you were just on mute. Yeah, that's excellent. Good start. Yeah, Good start. Background noise uh, while you're doing your your amazing introduction that you do every week. Did you so. like roll out of bed? I mean, is that what the self employed one percenters do? You just kind of rolled out of bed, probably, and you're you're ready four here for four o'clock in the afternoon. I don't have hours. <laughs> I'm property managing and doing and doing stuff, you know. Uh, you doing good, though? Everything's good in Orlando? You see, uh, We were exchanging some messages. You said the market's slowing down a little bit uh, over there? Yeah, yeah. it's been interesting watching uh, the market, how people are reacting to it, obviously, economy. And then time of year, we, we typically in the Orlando market right now are really, really busy. And our houses are busy. Just just straightforward. We're just seeing a very big slowdown in future rentals. I wonder if some of that's got to do with these fuel prices we're seeing. I mean, this is, you know, I uh, when I was over there earlier this year in England, I think I paid $1,500 to fly home. And this isn't... This isn't, you know, Matt Loney lay flat bed. No, no. This was... No, we know that. Back, come on, come on. Okay. Back of the plane, sitting, you know, you know, we got investors who listen, right? But no, uh, sitting, you know, by by the toilet, fifteen hundred dollars a ticket. But that's gotta that's gotta impact a little bit of what you're seeing. Well, I think it's a mixture between that. There was a study that was done as well, and they found that a lot of people uh, overextended themselves over COVID. So they were like, "Yep, we're working from home. Let's travel and stay in beautiful places all over the world." A lot of cheap money outside of that house, and now all of a sudden you've got home expenses for two places, bunch of kids you've got to entertain. So dinner's out and all of this kind of stuff, COVID stops and now life continues, cash is gone. Yeah. Well, so I, I think that has a, a, I think it has an impact. I'm also not entirely sure that the international markets opened up entirely. Well, I, th- I do think it's going to, you know, it ties in perfectly with our guest today. I'd like you to introduce him because I think it's a subject we have not talked a lot about, but it is certainly what I would say it has become the number one subject over the last two years of homeowner acquisition. And whether you're trying to grow or just get better homes, better inventory, like you're always, for those of you who are new to this industry and silver listeners, that's something it never stops, right? It, like you're always, you should be always trying to get inventory. And that doesn't mean you're always growing, but but better inventory means better margins and things like that. But it really has been as the, amount of inventory kind of got tight. Um, we've had a little more inventory, I think, on the market. And I think our guest today will be able to speak to that. But uh, this is a subject that is really important and I think ties in really closely with the guest experience. I think you're absolutely right. So today we are speaking with Brooke Faust. Brooke had been in the industry for over 13 years when he founded Vantage Resort Realty in Ocean City, Maryland, and took the idea from a napkin to 500 properties in just five years with a very successful exit. 
After working uh, and consulting with some of the top vacation rental professionals, he founded Ventori. It is the only outsourced business development agency in the space dedicated entirely to helping professional property managers add new homes to their portfolios. Brooke, welcome to the show. What's up, guys? Happy to be here. I'm happy you're here. Brooke's, a, Brooke's actually a pretty good friend uh, in the industry. So we've known each other and done some work together. I'm excited to talk to him today because, you know, you've got some unique insights uh, not a lot of people have, not only from a perspective of a property manager, uh, but now on the technology side and on the growth side. So for, for those guests that don't know you, Brooke, give us like a 30-second rundown who you are, what you do, what you're up to now, and then uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, happy to do it. We'll get it. excited to be here. So thanks for thanks for having me. But uh, so my my background, I actually started in uh, mortgage banking, and then like everybody, somehow stumbled into short term vacation rentals. So I started Vantage Resort Realty back in two thousand seven, uh, as you said uh, so eloquently earlier. Grew that uh, company pretty fast, grew it to about five hundred properties under management. Sold it in twenty thirteen, and it just had some various other leadership roles uh, within the the short term vacation rental industry. But what I realized over that period was the biggest pain point that every single vacation rental manager had, it didn't matter if they had five properties or 5,000 properties, is they wanted to grow. They wanted to, you know, get more inventory. And like you said earlier, Matt, they, you know, even if you want to stay stagnant, you still need to constantly grow because you're always churning uh, a certain percentage of your inventory any given year. Um, so yeah, so I, I realized that this was a big pain point. I, I realized that it was something that I, uh, I really enjoyed with inventory acquisition and it was something I was blessed to be pretty good at. So I figured uh, nobody else was out there doing it. I figured let's do it. So I actually called about it back in uh, 2019, March of 2019. I called like four of my buddies that own vacation rental management companies. And I said, hey, I've got this idea. I'm going to start. A, it's kind of like one part marketing agency, one part software platform that helps short-term vacation rental managers grow their inventory. I went through the whole pitch and every one of them like halfway through my pitch said, Brooke, shut up. I'm in. Uh, so I went to my wife and I said, sorry, honey, I'm, I'm starting another business. And uh, she kind of rolled her eyes and. And we've been off to the races for about three and a half years now. So uh, fast forward today, you know, uh, Ventory, we've got about 60 employees um, all over the world. Uh, we're 100% remote. I think we're up to over 300, just just about 350 uh, partners on our platform. Um, these are, you know, obviously short-term vacation management companies. And like I said, we have, we have literally startups with zero properties. And we have companies with 3,000, you know, plus uh, properties uh, on our platform. Uh, and we really help them uh, grow. And I'm sure we'll kind of dig into, you know, later how we do that. So when a company comes to you, what is, uh, what, what's the first thing people need to be thinking about when they're looking at owner or unit acquisition? You know, for, for me, when we restarted our, our property management company, it was all about the type of inventory that we were looking for. Is there a beginning where people really need to start thinking about how they want to acquire units? Yeah, hundred percent. So what, and that's what they do when they, when we start with them in our, our onboarding team, the first thing we do is really, you know, bring in one of our senior strategic advisors and really it's understanding it's setting the, the playbook, setting the strategy on what they want. How many properties do they want? What's their end goal? Is their goal to, you know, build this to a certain point, a certain number of properties and sell it? Or is it to build out a, uh, a company that's a nice, sustainable legacy that they can pass off to their kids or build out, you know, a, a business where it's like mailbox money. So really understanding what are you trying to build? What is the type of inventory you want to go after? Do you want to be, you know, only focused on super, super high end luxury? Do you want to, uh, you know, focus on kind of mid range? 
there's a great company down in Outer Banks. I love their business model. They focus only on condos because there's obviously everyone knows Outer Banks. You have these huge 16, 18, 20 bedroom homes. And this company said, you know what? Riches and niches. We're going to focus on just condos. And they, they've cleaned it up in that market for those properties. So understanding what your market segment is and what you're going after and what your goals are is really where it all starts. I think it's really interesting. I mean, from my perspective, it affects guest experience entirely. If you know the type of units that you're going to go after, that means that you also understand your marketing behind it. So you guys take the, the property manager, you sit them down, you figure out what their strategy is, which in a lot of cases, most property managers don't understand what their KPI is. They just go to town on I just want to own a bunch of units and want to have a bunch of property managers. And then it just falls sometimes flat on its face, which means that your owner acquisition gets hurt, right? So how does that in turn really, I mean, I mean, when you start to think about growth, how do you guys help the property managers scale going from one unit to five units to 10 units, and then helping them figure out at what level they need to stop rethink and, and start thinking about growth again? Well, there's a, a ton to unpack there. So the first thing we do is really, again, understanding what their strategy is and where their goals are. And then once we do that, we, we kind of get a good understanding of the market. So the, one of the first steps after we kind of build out their strategy and their goals is to really understand like, what is their TAM, their total addressable market? And not only just their TAM, you know, the overall market TAM, but the TAM of the properties they're going after. So if they're in a little tiny market, they say, we only want to take on luxury properties that are six bedrooms and greater. And there's only about a dozen of them and then there, you know what I mean? You know, you've got a pretty small market. So it's really understanding what that looks like. But the, the, one of the first things we'll do is really get down and dig down into the data. Uh, there's tons of different ways you can get data. You can get it through, you know, tax records and MLS. That's usually the first place because it's, it's free. But a lot of times it's a pain because you can only download like one record at a time. So what we recommend a lot of times is just go to a list broker. There's a million different list brokers out there. There's Info USA, there's Exact Data, there's Melissa Data. There's tons of them, but when you just a key point on the list data, uh, list brokers is make sure that you are um, looking for absentee owners. This is where the mailing address and the property address are different, which is usually a good indicator of a uh, real estate investor. Um, and then what you can do though, is you can, this is where you can really get sophisticated. You can start scraping some data so you can scrape, you know, your competitors, you can scrape the large OTAs, you can scrape large venture backed conglomerates uh, that, you know, that have maybe purchased, you know, some of your competitors, uh, but you can scrape that data, um, those, those properties, uh, and then you can kind of target those if you want. Now, obviously in certain states, you're not allowed to solicit the listings of other brokers to so make sure obviously you're following all the real estate laws and, and things like that in your market. And then the one that is often over, uh, overlooked is vacational permit data. So if your city, county, or township requires a vacation rental permit, guess what? There's a list out there for you. So I would recommend getting that list. Now you might have to buy some brownies and take them to the local courthouse and give little old lady, uh, she was about 75 years old and smoked <laughs> packs a day. You might have to give her some brownies to get that list, but you can get them. And if they do push back, mention Freedom of Information Act and you, yep. can, uh, you can get that list. But it's, uh, yeah, so starting with data is really where it all starts uh, in that process. That's interesting. The, you know, one of the things that comes up is what, what is the impact that some of the regulations have been having on homeowner acquisition? I, I think of, let's use Colorado, for example, where they're starting to limit the number of uh, vacation rental permits that they're going to issue. I guess in those markets, 
you're just having to really the only way to grow is to kind of in you know is to take from the competitors i mean how much how much does rate in the you know as far as the management fee how much is that playing in as you're looking at the strategy for acquiring homeowners what are you seeing on the homeowner front on that side obviously you've got them that run the gamut right that that it's all about full service and they're willing to pay for it all the way down to they need every dime out of this you know to to make the mortgage but i would say generally speaking is you know do we run the risk of commoditizing a little bit that service and and where do you see that going yeah, well, there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, the first thing you said is a lot of these markets are, you know, going through some serious regulation and it's limiting. And San Diego is the same thing. They're talking about reducing almost their their TAM, you know, their vacation rental permits by half. So wow. Think about that. You just have, you know, <laughs> your market just shrunk by fifty yeah. percent. So it's getting super, super competitive, which means you need to be even more strategic in your owner acquisition. And you also got to make sure you have the right properties and you're running a good business. But I've never been a big fan. Look, you know. Operating on price and competing on price is very, very challenging. If you're going to do it, you better be the Amazon. You better be the Walmart. You better be so thin margins and efficiencies and all the way yeah. around. And it doesn't mean you can't do it, you know, but if, if, if you just literally raise rates or lower rates just to kind of get market share, like it's a race to the bottom. You have to differentiate. You have to, what is your program? You know, what's different about your program than everybody else? You have to differentiate. And when you start competing on price, everybody loses, in my opinion, unless you are those, the Amazon or the the Walmart of short-term vacation rental industry. And very, very few people can do it that well. Yeah. yeah. So does that happen on, does that then happen on a service level, a distribution level? Like for small property managers to start to compete with some of the larger brands, and we have this discussion often, but it's a really interesting point because, you know, we all distribute for the most part the exact same way. We're looking at the big OTAs, your Airbnb, Booking.com, Verbo. Those are your top three. And then maybe in other markets, you've got other sources of distribution. And if you're brave enough, you're going to try to do as much direct booking as you possibly can. But we all know as a startup, especially as a startup, trying to develop a site and get to market and be front and center is very difficult. So when you're talking about owner acquisition, you know, you've got to have the right value propositions in play. And to me, that comes down to service, but there's only so many ways you can juggle and make service look good. How do you guys position that? How do you, how do you, what, what is your recommendation there? Well, there's, well, we, one of the things we do in the beginning too, and we do onboarding is uh, we have it our, our seven key messaging building blocks and it's really understanding and it's building out. I'll go through them real quick, but it's features and benefits, social proof, trust icons, What's your USP, your unique, unique selling proposition? What is your compelling offer? What are your risk reversals? And what is your call to action? And I do have a template if anybody wants it, if they just email me, brookadventory.com, uh, I'm happy to send that to them uh, where you can build that out. But that's one of the first things we do is really building out that key messaging building blocks. And it can be like, you know, from your features and benefits just starting there, it can be anything. It can be, you know, and, and try to like think differently. Like, you know, it could be, that, are you running trust-based accounting? And in your city or your, your state doesn't require it. Highlight the heck out of that. I mean, and, and, and talk about why it's important. Very, very few people do I ever see any owners or vacation rental management companies highlight to their owners that they're running trust-based accounting. They don't highlight it. Um, we actually do that. There you um, go. There you go. We, we did. It was you don't that have to. part of our strategy. Yeah, you don't right? have to. 
it's, it's not easy. And if you call a trust accounting, you actually have to do trust accounting. So the other piece of that is finding the software to be able to run the trust accounting. It's not just saying you do it. Yeah. yeah. And you know, like, Hey, like, do you have, uh, you know, are you doing dynamic pricing or revenue management? And yes, maybe all your competitors are doing it too, but if nobody's highlighting it, then highlight the heck out of it to show that you are, you're doing that. So when I started Vantage, you know, way back when in 2007, you know, I said, look, I want to differentiate. How do I differentiate my company than everybody else? Because guess what? There's a whole bunch, there's 20 some different companies up and down this strip of sand. I've got to do it unique. I got to do it differently. So what I did is I thought of it, all right. And I, and again, I think it was actually good that I came from outside the industry and I was doing it a little bit differently. So, you know, th this, this, you guys will laugh at this, but nobody was offering linens, believe it or not. Literally, you had to bring your own sheets and towels when you came here. Um, so I did, not only did we do linens on all of our rentals, but we actually made the bed. So, I mean, this is, again, this is not. <laughs> hey, by the way, like, in New Jersey, I still think you bring your own linens. So there yeah. are state, you know, you weren't the last state to convert, but I mean, yeah, it, it is, it's amazing. They had, they had third party services you could rent sheets and towels from, and literally they gave them to you in a black trash bag. It's like, here you go. Like, welcome to Ocean City. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> welcome to Ocean City. Yeah. <laughs> Here's your, here your trash bag of linens, you know. So, but anyways, so we, we did that. So again, that, this is like table stakes at this point. But back then that was like, man, Brooke, you guys, this isn't the way it's done in Ocean City. I'm like, that's exactly what I want to hear. So, but then we did other things like, you know, I looked at it and they, this was so eye-opening for me. They built a brand new hill right on the ocean, uh, right, right in Ocean City there. And these one bedroom suites at the time were going for $3,200 a week. Now, the one bedroom equivalent condo was going for like 1500 or 1600 a week. I'm like, why is this Hilton getting 2X? You yeah. know, it's, it's virtually the same room. You know what I mean? It's the same view and everything else. So I started taking, I said, look, look, what can we do that kind of makes it more similar to that Hilton experience? So I said, all right, well, let's start with a gym. You know, well, if the building doesn't have a gym, we partnered with Gold's Gym and every single guest got a free gym membership while they were staying with us. Um, and the beauty was we had all these passes and we only had to pay if they actually used it. And guess what? Like 98% of the people didn't even use the damn thing. So, but it was a differentiator, right? Second thing we did was we actually delivered a USA Today. I, I hired this like 18 year old college kid to drive on his bike and literally deliver a USA Today on every single doorstep of every one of our, our condo, one of our rentals. Now that was a logistics of that, you know, going up and down Ocean City on a you know, every single day is, is challenging. So, but it, it, it was a differentiator. Um, and then we did another thing called, um, uh, sunny days guaranteed. So I actually found a weather insurance. And what we did is if your vacation was a rain out and what happened was if it would rain out was defined as over an inch of rain in a given day, at least four out of the seven days of your week vacation, we would actually give you a full refund of your res reservation. I think I had to pay like five bucks, six bucks uh, a reservation to get that insurance. Never paid out once. And then I think they actually dis uh, they closed that, um, that insurance product or something like that. So we actually ended up self-funding it. And then we, I think we changed it to like a $500 credit on a future reservation or something like that. But again, we wanted to differentiate and we did a whole series of different things like this. And the whole thing was we did this to position it for the guests. Like how do, can we differentiate and, and not create a, you know, a commodity, you know, where our, these properties are commodities, how can we differentiate? Uh, but what ended up happening is the owners absolutely loved it. The owners were like, you know what? Like, because they do all these things, I bet it's bringing in a higher class of guests. I bet it's bringing in, you know, they're getting able to get a higher ADR, higher nightly rent, uh, weekly rentals. Uh, and it worked. So again, it, unintended consequences, the unintended consequences for us was 
we did it for guests, but it actually ended up helping us out on the owner uh, acquisition strategy. It's really interesting. You know, Brian, we talk and I, I tell property managers all the time, you know, when people talk about, yeah, I can't charge any more for my rental. And I always say, if you're good at what you do for what you're paying right now or for what you're doing right now, you can't. But then that means you got to provide more service, right? If you want to get outside the four walls, like the newspaper and the gym memberships and, and thinking about why people are choosing different product types, you get outside the four walls. It's no different than a hot tub in Breckenridge or a six seater golf cart in Destin, Florida. It, if, it, if it's got a value to the guests, they are willing to pay more. And I don't care where the economy's headed. You know, I, I think actually, you know, your value prop matters more in times in when the economy's worse. It's not that people aren't willing to spend more money or they're not willing to spend more, more money. I think they're just making sure they get a little, you get a little bit more sensitive around, am I getting the value for each dollar that I'm spending than you do maybe when the economy's great, but you still spend the money. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's, it's just fascinating. You, one of the things around guest experience, Brooke, we've talked about, we talked about just as we were jumping on was, you know, you mentioned the impact that increasing or improving your guest experience had on your homeowner acquisition. And I got to think too, getting the right homeowners, identifying the right homeowners, whether that be the property they own, which is really important, but also just the, you know, kind of that mindset of the homeowner can help you deliver a better guest experience because unlike other lodging verticals, we are somewhat at the mercy of, of homeowners in what they're willing to reinvest into this asset that they've charged the property manager with, with marketing, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, we, we had the luxury of having obviously a lot of condo buildings where you could compare properties like, you know, side by side and you could show, and we had like 10 properties in the same building. You could kind of show, Hey, look how this one performed versus how yours performed. <laughs> and you know, you could say, you show them the pictures and literally, you know, it, you know, it may be due 25% more in rental income. And they're like, well, why, you know, and then we show them flat out. Well, look how theirs is decorated. And you know, oh, by the way, you know, you can, you could make these upgrades for probably less than $5,000, $10,000, upgrade your, your comforters, get a fresh coat of paint on there, get rid of grandma's attic, uh, couches, you know what I mean? And you could make a significant difference. I mean, so my business partner advantage, um, he owned a lot of inventory himself and he invested into the properties. And we would show these properties and these properties would do significantly better. And we would get accused of like cherry picking all the guests and pushing them to his property. And we said, you know what? We're going to book his property last. You know what <laughs> I mean? We're going to price it so high and intentionally, you know, but it's because he put the money into it. And we actually even offered at one point, and I think there was a couple of years where we did interest-free loans to our uh, owners to actually make <laughs> the improvements to the properties uh, to be able to do it. Because from our perspective, it was going to make a better guest experience. It was going to give us a higher nightly rate, therefore a higher commission for us. And for our perspective, it was almost like a secured loan because what we did is we just took it out of future reservations. So we we would kind of give them the recommendations. We would lend them the money. We would fix it up and then we'd say, look, you don't even have to pay us. We're just going to take it out uh, you know, of your future reservations as it comes out. So it was truly win, win, win all the way around. I mean, I'm sure you've heard of it just like you talked about like adding uh, hot tubs. You know what I mean? Hot tubs pay for themselves almost in year one. Uh, right. And the most, you know, kind of mountain markets. I think it's really interesting, especially on, on the improvement side. I think one of the things previously, Brooke, you know, reviews, 
Reviews, reviews, reviews. And one of the things that I'm finding with a lot of the homeowners is, which didn't exist in, in the past. I mean, my first property management company, reviews weren't a thing. It just didn't exist, right? These platforms didn't know what to do with it. They weren't really displayed. Homeowners weren't tech, tech savvy enough to pay attention. And now it seems like everybody's just come up out of nowhere. They know the entire space. Homeowners do, guests know. And and reviews have probably become the most important thing is from a homeowner perspective, if they start reading the, the house is dirty, uh, this is broken, that's broken. I couldn't get into the house. All of a sudden start second guessing the property manager that they're with. Is that something that you guys are paying attention to, especially with homeowner acquisition is on the review side? Well, it's funny you bring that up. I was going to spin it a little bit differently. I was going to bring this up earlier. We could make these recommendations to a lot of the owners and they wouldn't make the improvements. But when we started, when, when reviews started coming out and they started getting posted online and we would actually compile these and we would send them to them, then immediately they would actually start uh, making those changes. So we actually leveraged uh, reviews to help us in kind of our quest for getting uh, these homeowners to, to make these improvements. Um, so I think it was actually a, a natural uh, benefit. For, for I, I agree. I mean, you're making my wheels spin. I'm like, how do we start to implement uh, improvements and, and into my homeowner acquisition? marketing campaign because it's such a great tool. There's so many homeowners. First, they'll, they'll keep the properties up to date um, to your current inventories constantly being improved on. Um, and then for new homeowner acquisition, uh, I'll invest in your property, but you've got to, you've got to put something into it. You need to agree. Well, and it's a little bit right of a spin wheel in that if you get good reviews, you know, and you can drive return gas. I think return guests are more likely to leave good reviews. They, they, they've been there. You've set their expectations. They, they, you know, as, so as long as you're continuing to meet that service level and, uh, you know, of which you originally got them, they're going to, and then they, each year they put in good reviews and that helps you, you know, in the restaurant industry, we, we used to call it circling the drain, right? When you'd see a restaurant that is struggling. So then they start spending less on marketing dollars and less on labor and they get the guest experience goes down and then now they have less money. So then they do it even more so. And you know, you just can't, you know, cut to, to, to success and you've got to spend this money. But I do love that, you know, Brooke, you, you, those are a lot of really creative ways to really align the homeowners with the property manager and go, look, we're in this, we're willing to make this investment with you because we were here, we live it every day. I, I think that's fascinating. So Brooke, tell us, I mean, where is, you know, the, the industry today, as far as homeowner acquisition, where does the market stand? You know, we talked a little bit about regulations, but where is it? And, you know, where do you see it going now? As far as the economy, I do hear a lot of concerns. When I talk to clients about the real estate prices that are being paid today, what impact do you think that's going to have on the industry? Nobody's closer to it than you. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought this up and we didn't even talk about this. So uh, thank you for yeah. literally this up perfectly for me. So I just wrote an article for Focuswire and it talked about how um, actually during recessionary periods is actually a boom for supply, short-term vacation rental supply. And there's a couple of reasons why. The first is... You think about it, all these people have bought these second homes over the last you know, three years. You know, the federal government has pumped trillions of dollars into the system. We've had historically really, really low interest rates. 
But a lot of this inventory that was coming in actually wasn't going to be used for uh, vacation rentals. It was literally just somebody's second uh, home and, their, um, and they had no intentions of ever renting it out. But when you head into a recession, what ends up happening is these people, you know, they're going to have to uh, start renting it out. They need to either generate some revenue or they need to sell it. Um, so I actually saw this firsthand, you know, so I, I had the luxury of actually, you know, launching Vantage in 2007, 2008, the mm. worst recession our generation yeah. has ever seen. It was actually the best thing that ever happened to me. So we launched in 2007, 2008, and we were picking up inventory. 25% of the inventory we were picking up was from a persona that we called first time Frank. First time Frank was as exactly what you think it is. It was somebody that never read it before. They had no intentions of renting, but something happened where they, they were forced to have to actually start renting it out. Guess what? I was first time Frank. I was in mortgage banking. I had this you know, house in Bethany Beach, Delaware. We had no intentions of renting it out. If I would have told my wife we were going to rent it out, she would have like strangled me. She's like, no way somebody's sleeping in my bed, you know, and using my uh, kitchen and things like that. But guess what? We had to, we were forced to. So um, we're going to see a ton of uh, inventory come out here in the future. History repeats itself. We are definitely, if we're not in a recession right now, we're going to be in one very soon, I, I predict. And I think you're going to see a lot of people that are, are forced to do it. In fact, HomeAway back then, when it was called HomeAway, they did a study uh, with some, um, some research company. They found that 49% of the inventory that, uh, that HomeAway had on its platform back, I think, in 2008, 2009, was from exactly that same persona. That they, they said they had no intentions of letting anybody other than friends and family use it, but it was actually listed. Almost half of the inventory on Verbo, HomeAway, was actually from that persona. So we're wow. going to see that same thing happening here. Um, and I think what else is going to happen is you're, there is tons and tons of private equity sitting on the sidelines waiting to pounce, waiting for the prices to come down. This is nothing new. You know, private equity and hedge funds and REITs and things like that, like buying, uh, you know, rentals is not a new thing. They've just been doing it historically in long-term property management in the billions and billions and billions of dollars. But what they're realizing now is the yields are much better and the returns are much better in short-term vacation rentals. So they are just waiting for the prices to come down. So I, I think you're going to see a lot of... Uh, and we're already seeing it right now in, in some of these hedge funds and some of these REITs going out there and, and picking up uh, some inventory, but they're waiting for it to come down and you're going to see it. And what they're going to do, though, is these homes, these people that are forced to sell, you know, these these private equity and hedge funds are going to end up buying and it's going to get into the rental supply because, again, they need to get that 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 yield there. You just answered my question. <laughs> <laughs> but it does change your ownership, your, your strategy, right? I mean, that's a completely different type of person that you need to market to. I mean, we have the Orlando market, you know, this market really well, mostly Kissimmee, Davenport areas, all vacation rentals, 40,000 strong and building about 10,000 a year. But we are seeing significant uh, change in the type of, of buyers here, mostly investor buyers. And so <laughs> the strategy here changes significantly because it's not a person that is attached emotionally to that home. Now, it also becomes more difficult to reach those people. Well, I mean, my, uh, I think you all know CJ Stam with Southern Comfort Cabin Rentals uh, yeah. up in Blue Ridge. He's got a great business, but what I love what he's doing. He owns that market. He crushes yeah. it, but he he's getting into the development side of it. So he's doing purpose-built vacation homes. So he's got a fund, and I'm not saying anything that he hasn't publicly said. He's got a fund that out, is out there investing and in purchasing uh, land and purchasing these and building these vacation homes. And then think about how great it is from his perspective. He gets to design the best product on the planet, not only for the guest, but also for the asset holder, uh, you know, and the returns. And then he has it not just like you said, Brian, he is a non-emotional owner. 
you know, they're not going to complain about scratching, you know, their, you know, uh, you know, grandma's, uh, antique, you know, um, <laughs> table or whatever it happens to be, you know, so they're, they're about the returns. They have, um, property, um, uh, improvement built into the performance. So they know that they can upgrade the furniture every two to three years. Like it, it just, to me, that is the future of vacation rentals, uh, where you're going to see more institutional money coming into it, designing the right product. Think about it. It would almost be like, you know, most vacation rentals were not used. They were not, they were not designed to be a short-term vacation rental. They were designed to be single family home, second home or yep. somebody's primary home. Yep. Right? You have these huge walk-in closets. You have these huge master bedrooms. Well, why do you need that? You know, you don't need that. Now, in certain markets like Orlando and Gatlinburg and Outer Banks and things like that, they're actually, you know, ahead of the curve here and they're, they're designing it more for purpose. But in 98% of the markets outside of there, they haven't. So you're shoehorning an existing inventory and making it into a vacation rental wasn't designed to optimize the guest experience and it wasn't designed to optimize the return for the asset holder. And not only the, the, the that, but it's also the maintenance and ongoing repairs of that property too. Um, so I think we're going to get more and more into that. You're going to see more and more purpose-built vacation cones and more and more vacation purpose-built uh, vacation rental communities coming out and sprouting out uh, that are owned by an institutional and one asset holder as opposed to, you know, having 30 different, you know, owners. Imagine if you think about that for a second. Imagine if you had a hotel and Mr. Uh, Marriott, he's got 30 different owners in every one of his units uh, in every one of his hotel rooms. And, and you know, some of them were just standard, some of them aren't. What a pain in the butt that would be to manage that property and manage the guest expectations. Well, there would be no Marriott because they couldn't, they, they just... They couldn't satisfy the guest. And I think you're absolutely right. I've been saying it for the for, for, for quite a while, which is at some point, somebody's going to come in and not just build those units, but own the units. And as soon as somebody can come in, own, build, purpose-built units, you can control the entire guest experience. Yep. ROIs are going to go up. You don't have an additional management fees. There's so many incidental fees that just disappear, right? And then you really become a brand. And, <laughs> and you, again, you have a better guest experience, better owners. It's, it's better all the way around. Yeah. And CJ's getting there. I mean, I think he's got about a dozen homes in that one community and he's going to continue to do it again and again and again. So it's really yeah. exciting to, to see him do that. And I hope more and more companies do that. Um, it's, a, it's a great, great product. Fascinating. It's a, it's an area where there's a lot, a lot of innovation, which is, which is really cool and then exciting, I think. Um, and it's been around for a while. I mean, we've, you know, the apart hotels, you know, some of the things and some of it was being done pre COVID and really took a hit and a couple of them went under and we've seen some struggle here recently, but the innovation's not stopping there. You know, you, it's, it's what venture money does is they keep poking and prodding and they're looking for you know, that untapped or uh, that area where they can, you know, can, um, can realize really big gains and, um, they're going to lose sometimes, but I think with some of these, they will, they're going to, they're going to hit some home runs. And I agree with you, Brian, it, it eliminates a lot of the headaches. If, if you can control, if you're completely vertically integrated, where you control it all the way down to the home, to the management company, to how you're acquiring the guests and, and everything else. Brooke, as we wrap up, for our listeners who want to get in touch with you, who want to understand, because, you know, I think, well, what you guys do and um, as far as, you know, full service, you guys do have a number of different levels for people to kind of get in and dip their toe in, if you will, and understand how they can utilize an outside third-party resource like yourself to help them with their 
with their homeowner acquisition. What's what's the best way to do that? I'm, I'm sure there's, you know, you guys obviously have the website and stuff, but how should people reach out? Yeah. Uh, so obviously just go to Ventory.com, V-I-N-T-O-R-Y.com, or you can email me, Brooke, B-R-O-O-K-E, at Ventory.com. Um, really active on LinkedIn. If you go to our website, we have tons and tons and tons of free material. I've got every every conference presentation I've ever done is uh, you know is recorded on uh, on our website for free. We have tons of uh, information on our blog. I actually wrote a book. Uh, it is an Amazon bestseller in all three categories that we submitted in uh, from zero to five hundred properties in five years. Your uh, playbook to grow your short term vacation rental inventory, so you can get that on Amazon. Um, and it's uh, all proceeds go to charity uh, on that as well. Um, but yeah, just reach out to me. Happy to help out. But yeah, we've got multiple products. So really in, in kind of a, a nutshell, what Ventory does is again, we help short-term vacation rental uh, managers grow their inventory. Um, we're one part data platform. We're one part marketing agency. And we've also built a uh, CRM and marketing automation platform as well uh, that ties it all together. But again, our, our mission is really to level the playing field and help every single vacation rental manager with their inventory growth uh, needs. Awesome. Thank, thank you so much again. We appreciate your time today and, and joining us. Yeah, thank you. That's it for this week's episode of Guest X. Be sure to sign up for our email list at guestxpodcast.com. That's guest, the letter X, podcast.com. And follow us on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. We are Mr. Guest Experience, Brian Hamaui and Matthew Loney signing off and reminding you to always create a customer experience worth talking about. This podcast is a Hospitality.fm production.